Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Arsha Sattar about her Mahabharata for children that succeeds in tackling this fascinating epic without losing any of its layers and complexity and can be enjoyed by both older children and adults. Yeah, because I was wondering, you know, this bit, like what a child might make of it. It would, you know, what I liked about this section is that it would possibly make a child, an older child, say about, you know, 10 or 12, think about things that perhaps he or she doesn't usually think about, you know, like the bishop gazed into the distance and said softly that death is our constant companion and yet we live as if we are immortal. Oh, that's my favorite one, Manjula. I if there is one piece of wisdom I carry with me from Mahabharata, it is that. You know, okay. Death is our constant companion, but we live each day as if we are immortal. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it might so, be heavy for a 12-year-old, but, you know, it's okay for us. No, but you need to make a 12-year-old think about things like this also, yeah. right? And, you know, mm-hmm. the other thing about that episode, which is so charming for children, children love riddles. Yes. You know, yeah. and they love wordplay. And they yeah. love answers that are not logical, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, that is the, the 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 you know the episode that lends itself most freely to children. Mm. So that that yeah. would be true. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, okay. So you know, but you, you mentioned about how the, about comparing Ram and Yudhishthir. Yeah. Let's talk about that, though. You know, I find I I don't find Yudhishthira such a. Of course, he's a great character, but perhaps not on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So let's talk about that. Okay. Um, you know, because Yudhishthira is placed in the context in which he is placed, yeah, with his mm-hmm. brothers Bhima mm-hmm. and Arjuna in particular, and of course, oppositionally. Um, Duryodhana and Karna yes. he comes yes. across as very weak no mm. and that's one yeah. of the reasons we're like yeah, why don't you do something you know yeah. and, there <laughs> and talking to all these sages and you know blah, blah, blah. but you know I mean as I've grown older um, with both Ramana and Mahabharata I am finding Yudhishthira more and more compelling because mm. he doesn't want to do the wrong thing. He mm. really wants to think before he acts, you know. In, in, in a sense, he is like Plato would have wanted, the philosopher king, mm. you know. And God knows in our times we need to have, um, um, I won't call them leaders, uh, but the people who occupy government positions and mm. you know, are... Um, in charge of governing the country, I think mm. all over the world, it would be so nice to have 
men and women who thought actually the women um, leaders in the world are doing way better than the men. You know? That's true. That's true. So um, I think um, I think you you just did a. Um, needs um, a more sympathetic eye that we've been giving mm. all these years, you know, and we have to see mm. him, um, out, uh, you know, uh, sort of foreground him a little bit, not always see him in the con- in the context of his very warlike brothers. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Is the, you know, the, the, the artistic warrior, as it were, you know, the delicate one, the one grace he's the sabyasachi you know he can um he can he's ambidextrous he can fire arrows with both arms and then there's bhima who's more brutish you know he has great physical strength but they are both warlike mm. and in and yes. you know, they are the sons of pandu as it were the um excuse me they're the sons of kunti right they are the conquerors so um and there's karna on the other side who's also warlike you know, and he's just the only gentle person. He really, really mm. is. And um, I would really like us to think about him more sympathetically than, than we do. And also, you know, um, yeah, just, you know, use Yudhishthira as some kind of uh, ideal when we think about the people who actually govern us, the men who govern us today. So, mm. Okay, so you've also, you know, you've also done the Ramayana for children, right? So uh, just talk about both these experiences and how they were different. Ramayana came to me um, really quite easily because I know it so well. Hmm. Um, And um, so I didn't have to go back to the original Sanskrit text or to my own rod, larger translation that often, because, you know, the images are in my head, the dialogue is in my head. Um, I really do know that text well. So um, it was easier to write in that sense. Um, mm. But with Mahabharata, um, I did actually go back to the Sanskrit original to look for a couple of things. Um, I, um, I thought a lot about um, B.R. Chopra's Mahabharata, because um, it is so, it is it, it is taken from the critical edition, the Bhandarkar edition. So all the dialogue there is actually what is in the Sanskrit text. So I I I, I had that very much in mind. I, I referred to it a couple of times. Um, so um, I was much more careful um, with detail in Mahabharata. Not that I was more. Careful. I was equally careful with detail in Ramayana, but I, I checked my details in Mahabharata more frequently than I did check details in, in Ramayana. You know, also because, you know, when you're translating, mm. there's no leeway. You are just reproducing what the text is saying. But when you mm. want to retell and you want the text to mm. say what you wanted to say, that's where you, that's, mm. so it's a, both Ramayana and Mahabharata, when you're retelling, and especially when you have the responsibility of retelling for children, mm. you, you really have to watch yourself, you know? Yeah. This is mm. not Arshia's Mahabharata. This is Arshia's retelling of Vyasa's Mahabharata. This is not Arshia's Ramayana. This is Arshia's mm. retelling of Valmiki's Ramayana. And so we yeah. have to be, oh, well, it's certainly the way that I retell. I have to mm. be responsible to the original text, hugely mm. responsible. So, yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so you know, there's a, a point I think in the introduction where you say that you know the Mahabharata shows you how sometimes good people can do bad things and bad people can be honorable. Yeah. And 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 that's really at the center of it. And let's talk about Karna's character. He's such a fascinating man. Everybody loves Karna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rightly so, and rightly so. Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, you know, and he seems to be one of those tragic figures who Absolutely. kind of fits, uh, who fits along with Eklavya, you know, yeah. fits the contemporary, you know, imagination in a certain sense, you know. So can you talk about that? Well, um, you know, Eklavya is sort of a mascot for many, many um understandings of caste, right? And how caste Hinduism has brutalized um, Dalit peoples and Adivasis and any anybody that's perceived as an outsider. But Karna is a little bit more complicated because he's, yeah. you know, he's a Kshatriya. He's born a full-blooded Kshatriya as much as his brothers are. And brought up by um, Radha um, and uh, Adiratha, right? Um, so he's called Radhea quite often in in the, um, and everybody knows when they see him that there's something special about this guy. Ekalavya doesn't even uh, you know doesn't make it really back into the story after that you know pre ghastly incident where he Drona asks him to sacrifice his thumb. Uh, you know Karna everybody loves because he is so honourable and. His fate, his destiny, just does not give him a chance. You know? um, so he, as you said, he is tragic in the way that, like, uh, Oedipus is tragic. That, yes. that whatever he does to get away from his destiny, destiny wins. Um, yes. So we're automatically sympathetic towards Karna and mm-hmm. um, and Ekalavya, of course. I mean, the Ekalavya story just you know is is. Um, Horrifying in in many ways. The Karna story, you can say, "Are bichare, kismat phuti thi." You know, I mean, you can end up saying something like that. But he shines in his honor because he remains loyal to Duryodhana. The character that I'm actually more interested in is Duryodhana, who um, um, he never breaks any of the rules of the war. None of the not none of the Kauravas do. It's only the Pandavas who consistently break the rules that they themselves had set up. Um, mm. And there's, you know, there's this wonderful moment when Duryodhana is dying and he says mm. to the Christina, he says, this is what you wanted, take it. This scorched mm. earth, this city mm. full of widows and men with empty eyes. He said, I laughed, I played, I sang, I loved my wives. I was honored by my people. Um, mm. You can have this, Yudhishthira. And that is, a, he dies with great honor. Hmm. You know, in fact, I mean, he he dies because uh, Krishna instigates Bhima to um, strike him below the waist, which is not allowed in Gada Yudha, you know, in a hmm. duel with hmm. Jesus. So I, I think Duryodhana, um, and I've tried to do that in, the, in, in my version, um, that he starts off as a petulant, entitled, arrogant, bad-tempered, greedy child and young man and once the war begins he just becomes more and more glorious you know and he's with the soldiers you know he 
He, he, every night he tells them how well they've done. He knows halfway through the war, he knows, oh my God, this is not going our way. And Karna mm-hmm. tells him, we must fight every day as if we're going to win. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so those two men, I think, in, in the war are the, are the true warriors, you know? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they abide by Kshatriya Dharma to its fullest, however mm-hmm. difficult that Dharma is. And Pandavas are the ones who just, you know, um, break. Yeah, literally, they go against the dharma into which they were born. And that's really one of the things I wanted young people to think about as well, because you know and I know the way we receive the stories from our grandmothers and from Amarjitakatha and wherever it was, we were told very clearly Pandavas are good and Kauravas are bad. But when we actually read the text for ourselves... Um, we know that that's a that's pretty contentious, you know. It's not mm-hmm. that the Pandavas are the good guys. Um, mm-hmm. Win the war, and we know. I mean, from our own times, and even you know, young people know that it's not always the good people who win the wars. You know, mm-hmm. they're just the winners, and yeah. you no know, winners, victors write history. So they're yes. only, you know they tell their own story. In which yes. good guys. So yeah, yeah, and that section where you know where uh, Duryodhana uh, kind of like sta- uh, when when Karna comes in for the first time and, and he stands up for him, you know he yes. Um, yes. makes a fight for life. That was a I mean you brought that out so well. Thank you. That's one of my favorite scenes. You know. Um, <laughs> When two brothers, I mean, it's a classic scene that two brothers yes. who don't know each other are fighting. You know, yeah. I mean, it's in Sorab and Rustam as well, except that it's father and son. You know, it's, yeah. a, trope. it's, yeah. a, it's a classic epic trope and it, it never fails to move us because it yes. is so sad. It is just so mm. sad. Mm. Yeah. But but clearly Duryodhana doesn't care about, you know, the uh, doesn't care about things like the origins of a person. Yeah. He, he takes the person at... Uh, yeah. yeah, and there's that wonderful line again from Sanskrit Mahabharata, which is this: uh, the origins of men and rivers are unknown. You know, yeah, I, I love when I'm able to do that. You know, when I'm able yeah. to take something from the original text and represent it. Um, you know, to to even a young audience. I mean, young people will understand that completely. I mean, all we learn in our geography is oh, Ganga rises here, Indus rises there. <laughs> A child knows what it means to have the origin of a river. Yeah. 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 So uh, I have to say, I mean, I enjoyed it, though I'm not a child. (laughs) It is also intended for um, an adult reader, you know? Mm -hmm. It is is intended for an adult reader. And, you know, I mean, I think. um, Well, so is my Ramana, actually. I mean, these are stories that that belong in world literature. They are not only Indian mm. stories. These are stories that everybody in the world should know. Like we know the story of the Iliad and the Odyssey, or we know Bible stories, or, you know, we know stories mm. about Paul Bunyan and, you know, Johnny mm. Allen, right? These, these, yeah. these, these stories do belong to the world, and so they should be read by adults as well. Hmm. I'm wondering, are you thinking of, like, you know, doing a Mahabharat that's, like, fully adult? My goodness, Manjula, you know, I was, I even signed a contract to do that. Um, 
many, 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 many years ago with Penguin after my Penguin uh, translation of the Ramayana came out. And they immediately signed me to do a shortened Mahabharata. Um, but, you know, I couldn't. I, I um, You know that we don't make our money off um, mm. writing books. So I had to take a job. Yeah. Once I had a full-time job, I couldn't actually give the Sanskrit text the kind of attention that, that it needed. Um, mm. I think translating one epic in a lifetime is good. Two epics, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. She said. <laughs> she said, yes. And of course, you know, there is this absolutely marvelous, um, I don't know what to call it, adage, I guess. Uh, I won't call it a superstition. I'll just say it's an adage, which everybody who works with Mahabharata knows, is that... Um, it, if you, uh, it's called the curse of the Mahabharata. Yes. That if you set out to translate Mahabharata, you'll die before you finish. Mm. Yeah, because it's so long. You know, that's why you'll die. <laughs> because the text has some, you know, malignant force. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. And, you know, I don't want to translate Mahabharata. I don't want to sign my own death warrant. Let's just put it that <laughs> Asha, it's been great talking to you. And um, I mean, I, I really like this. The Mahabharata for children. Everybody go out and get it. I think you should. Um, thank you for having me on the show, Manjula. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Manjula. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.